wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. You know, I was looking forward to recording a nice late night episode of WrestleRant Radio discussing Wednesday's episodes of NXT and Dynamite, that awesome, awesome episode of Dynamite, sharing some thoughts on Raw for Monday, even previewing Saturday's AEW Revolution pay-per-view, and also probably recapping today's Super Showdown pay-per-view. And then the show actually happened, and holy shit. I mean, I'll be honest with you, right up front, I thought it was one of the better, if not the best, Saudi Arabia pay-per-view the WWE has put on today, which I know the bar is very, very low. The bar has been set low with some pretty lousy shows they've done to date. But I thought today's show, honestly, overall, was not entirely terrible. Until that main event, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I have a ton to say about Goldberg in 2020 being the all-new Universal Champion, very likely heading into WrestleMania 36 to defend against Roman Reigns. Did I not say this was a possibility here on this show on hashtag SGSM? I told many other people who doubted me. They said, Graham, listen, there's no chance. There's no way that Goldberg is walking out of Saudi Arabia, the new universal champion. And I absolutely hate that I was right. And yes, I did predict Wyatt to walk out still the champion. That was my official prediction because my mindset was, listen, this is far from a foregone conclusion that Wyatt is retaining this title successfully. Knowing WWE and their track record, there is a very good chance that Goldberg wins the championship on this show and walks into WrestleMania for that match with Roman Reigns. It was reported. I was saying this well before the reports came out, but the reports came out soon after I said that, probably the night that it was announced that Goldberg was facing Wyatt for the championship on the show. It was reported maybe last weekend that WrestleMania plans changed from what they were of being... Wyatt and Roman, and then, I don't know what the other match would have been, John Cena and Elias, to something entirely different. Very likely to Roman and Goldberg, and then Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Yes, and on paper, that does sound like a stronger WrestleMania card. But my mindset was, and the whole thing sounded fishy, because on paper, I would much rather see Bray Wyatt versus John Cena... And again, we've seen that before as well. But we've also seen Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns. So it's really a no-win situation here. Um, it's not like Bray Wyatt, you know, is facing any new fresh faces here. He's already faced Daniel Bryan a bunch of times too. Not just recently, but, you know, four, five, six years ago. Anyway, um, Bray Wyatt, to me, versus John Cena at WrestleMania for the championship would have been better than Bray and Roman. Not because I hate Roman or that I don't want to see Roman walk out as the new champion. Just because it saved us from seeing, very likely, Goldberg versus Cena, which I guess is a marquee match, maybe. 
Um, yeah, it's never been done before. I honestly have no aspirations of ever seeing Goldberg versus Cena. I really don't care to see those two clash ever, to be honest with you. I'm not even really sure how good the match would actually be. I mean, then again, the same can be said for Wyatt versus Roman and Roman versus Goldberg and so on and so forth. But, you know, it was either that or Cena versus Elias and no Goldberg on the card at all. According to Goldberg himself, he said in an interview with Byron Saxton before Super Showdown the other day, I mean, it aired today, but I saw the interview on Wednesday, he was saying in this interview that he got the phone call to come back. And again, he may have been kayfabing here. He may have been playing into this storyline that he was announced to come back the week after Royal Rumble. But he sounded pretty genuine when he said, I didn't know I was coming back. I have not been training to come back until like the week I made my comeback. So right after the Royal Rumble, this has been, this has not been the plan dating back to TLC or Survivor Series or even further back than that. As far as Goldberg knew, that Dolph Ziggler match was really one and done to kind of redeem himself from that awful Super Showdown match a year ago against Undertaker in Saudi Arabia, which fucking sucked. And again, that show was even worse than this one. Crown Jewel was also pretty terrible. Um, again, I, I, I thought the finish to this show was equally atrocious, even probably even worse. Um, nothing Crown Jewel. I thought the finish to Crown Jewel was well done. The actual match sucked between Rollins and Wyatt. That's probably the only reason why people were praising that pay-per-view was because Wyatt walked out the new Universal Champion. I thought this show was all right. That finish was terrible. But again, going back to my original point here, it was not the original plan to have Goldberg very likely involved with WrestleMania at all this year. Do they even really need him? Like, I feel like WWE in their mind, and when I say WWE, I, I, I mean Vince McMahon, but I feel like they have this thing in their mind where they tell themselves, we need X, Y, and Z. We need at least three part-timers on this year's WrestleMania card. Was it ever like this before 2010, 2011? Like, I was going back in my head, it feels like we have at least one part-timer on every WrestleMania, especially in the main event, but definitely... I mean, maybe not in last year's main event, but Ronda Rousey, yeah, she was a full-timer, but we haven't seen her since. Um, so I kind of count that as being a part-timer a little bit. But putting that aside, but you know, we've had The Undertaker in the main event in recent years, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg was involved in a Universal Championship match three years ago. Um, Batista, The Rock, you name it, they were involved in the WrestleMania main event, Triple H being another one. Triple H won't be on this year's WrestleMania card, but we'll probably have The Undertaker, John Cena, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, who was kind of more of a quarter-timer at this point. I mean, he was on every Raw for the first, like, five or six weeks of 2020, including the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Now, he was on Raw this week. I don't know if he was on last week or the week before, but he was on this week. I assume he will be on next week, uh, coming off of this pay-per-view. I mean, I'm not really sure about that, 100%, but... And we're also going to have Edge on this year's show. So that's a lot of part-timers right there. So we probably don't need Triple H. And I'll talk more about that later if I can remember. I would love to talk more about Triple H and why we do not need a Triple H match at WrestleMania this year. I'll get to that later. But as far as Super Showdown goes, man, I mean, that finish really stunned me. I mean, again, as I said earlier, I knew there was a chance that Goldberg could beat The Fiend and become the champion. I didn't think they would actually do it because it's so insanely stupid. Why build up The Fiend for six, seven, eight months, only to fucking feed him to Goldberg, of all people. It's not even the fact that Wyatt lost. I mean, it is. There's a lot of different factors here. Because I had a lot of people trying to tell me, well, you know, he was going to lose anyway at WrestleMania. Well, what's the problem? He was going to lose anyway. Well, no shit. You know how many times i said in the last six weeks, obviously he's not walking into WrestleMania the champion. 
I said no matter whether he faces Roman, Goldberg, John Cena, Elias, Zack Ryder, it doesn't matter who Bray Wyatt faces at WrestleMania. He's not leaving that show as the WWE, or rather the Universal Champion. I came to terms with that a long time ago. I said as soon as he won the championship, he will probably walk into WrestleMania, as he should as the Universal Champion, and then lose it there. It just makes sense. It's booking 101. I'm not saying you have to do that every single year where the champion is built up for six, seven months and they lose the belt on that show. Like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was the champion for quite some time before he dropped the belt to Seth Rollins on last year's show. Daniel Bryan was champion for a number of months before dropping the belt to um, Kofi Kingston at last year's show. I'm not saying you have to follow that formula every single year, but from a storyline standpoint, there was just no reason to have Bray Wyatt drop the championship before WrestleMania. It made sense to have him hold it till WrestleMania, especially given the push that he's been given as this monster heel. Yes, they did they did the exact same shit three years ago with Kevin Owens. That bothered me then, but we honestly all knew at that point that Kevin Owens was losing that championship. It was stupid then. It made Kevin Owens look like a complete idiot, and he has not been a part of the main event championship picture since. Um, he has kind of flirted with the main event a little bit, but he's not been involved in any major program for the WWE or Universal Championship. He was for the WWE title for a cup of coffee last year with Kofi Kingston, but he lost every single match, um, and they weren't all that good anyway. But I think he was—I think he got a WWE title opportunity when he first came back a year ago at Fastlane. That's a whole other story as to why that flopped. Um, but he has not been given another run as world champion. That first one was not great. To be honest with you, the Wyatt run has not lit the world on fire at all. I understand that. The matches have not been the greatest, but that's not the only thing to me that makes him a good champion. He is the best part. Maybe not the best part, Otis says. He is one of the best parts of SmackDown. The character is still very popular. I've been at a number of shows where he's been there. And it's, it always gets a reaction. The Fiend's entrance in the dark match segments always gets a reaction. People love The Fiend. It's selling a lot of merchandise. It's still very popular. The matches aren't that bad. The Rollins matches sucked. The Miz match was whatever. The Daniel Bryan matches, by and large, I thought were very good. The Survivor Series match was probably exactly what it needed to be. And the Royal Rumble strap match, which probably should have sucked, I thought was honestly kind of good. So it's not like Wyatt has stunk out the joint as Universal Champion. And then he has this match, which really wasn't much of a match. But if he beats Goldberg, more power to him, lends credibility to to Bray Wyatt going into WrestleMania. It means more if Roman Reigns beats The Fiend. And again, Roman Reigns being champion again, I'm going to be completely honest with you, this might piss people off. I have no issue with it. I really have no problem with it. It's not a fuck Roman Reigns campaign here. It's not like, oh, screw Roman Reigns, like anti-Roman Reigns, whatever. I have no issue with that. It's not exactly a match or a programming. Uh-uh. It, it wasn't, you know, a program or a match or a feud or whatever that I was eagerly, overly anticipating the same way I was like AJ and Nakamura a couple of years ago. Just because we've seen it before and it's Roman and Wyatt. Like, I mean, you're not going to get a five-star Matt Classic out of those guys. But it made sense. And having the Fiend lose to a guy that's on the active roster made fucking sense. We already have the part-timer as the champion versus the challenger that's the up-and-comer on the Raw roster with Brock and Drew. They already filled the quota there. To have two part-time champions, and Brock is a part-timer. I know, like I I joked, he's a quarter-timer, but he's still not a full-fledged member of the Raw roster. To have two part-timers walk into WrestleMania with those championships, it, it, it it's crazy to me that we're in a position now where that's happening. 
it would seem like for the last couple of years, yeah, with one match, we would get that, you know, usually on the Raw side, it would be Brock or Goldberg, whatever. Never on SmackDown. SmackDown, it would be either Bray Wyatt actually walked into WrestleMania as the WWE Champion three years ago, and, and when Goldberg also walked into WrestleMania as the Universal Champion. I mean, the match with Randy Orton sucked um, for the WWE title, and the feud really wasn't all that great towards the end there anyway. But at least it was two full-timers. It wasn't like Wyatt walked in there and lost to Goldberg or someone that wasn't going to be there the next day. That didn't really... I mean, the match sucked. And again, Wyatt probably should have won. But it didn't bother me all that much because, you know, Randy Orton is on the active roster. I think last year, like I said, it was Brian and Kofi. That was the perfect WWE title match. Brian was a great champion. A much better a much better champion than people probably give him credit for. He had a really, really good reign. One of the better world title reigns in recent history. Um, that match with AJ the Rumble last year wasn't the greatest. It was kind of boring, to be honest with you. But overall, he had a great reign. And he put over Kofi Kingston like a million bucks at WrestleMania. Perfect. Two years ago, it was AJ Nakamura. Did the match light the world on fire? No. Did it fall well below expectations? Yes. But did it feature two full-timers? Yes, it did. So, for all those complaining about that match two years ago, you know what? At least it was two full-timers. We're having two part-timers in two different world title matches at WrestleMania 36. I feel like we're regressing here. What the fuck is going on here? It doesn't matter who walks out with the championships of Mania. Honestly, with Drew, I think it would be great. If Drew loses to Brock, they've got problems. I don't think they would do that. <laughs> I mean, again, I said this a month ago when Drew won the Rumble. When a lot of people were saying, oh, there's no chance Drew loses at WrestleMania. They're, they're, they're strapping the rocket onto him. Eh, not so fast. They were strapping the rocket onto The Fiend, too, and look what happened. So, you can never be too sure when it comes to WWE. I thought Roman was beating Brock for that belt two years ago at WrestleMania, and he didn't. So, you never know for, for a fact who's going to win what. It's WWE. They very rarely do what's logical, what's right, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's great when, it, honestly, to in a way, in a weird, sick way... It's, it's not better that way, but, like, it makes those moments where they do do the right thing mean that much more. Like, when Drew won the Rumble, that was an awesome moment. How do we go from that to this shit a month later with Goldberg ending a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view as the new Universal Champion? How the hell does that happen? And again, I would probably be ten times more frustrated if this was three or four hours ago, right after the show had ended. I was pissed. Like, I honestly was speechless for a little while, and Lexus was way more frustrated about that outcome than I was because she's a big Bray Wyatt fan and she honestly doesn't even want to watch SmackDown anymore and I can't blame her the show has sucked anyway but <laughs> I mean we had the opportunity I actually said this well before any of this happened uh, a week ago when we were gonna watch SmackDown and uh you know we were ready to watch the show literally 10 minutes from the show starting I think I watched the first half hour myself anyway as it aired but we came to the conclusion hey let's watch a movie instead so we watched Step Brothers because SmackDown has been so fucking abysmal since the move to Fox, for whatever reason, creatively, I don't know if it's a network thing, I have no clue. We didn't watch the show. So why would we want to watch now? Yeah, Cena will be on, whoop de frickin do Who cares? I'll just watch it myself within an hour after it airs, as opposed to watching it live, because it doesn't feel like a must-see show. Who's going to stay home at this point to go out of their way to watch SmackDown? Be completely honest with me. Are you one of those people? Probably not. And if you are, God bless you. Um, I'm, you know, I mean, I have to write about it. I, I, you know, my work involves WWE, so I can't really say that I that I can't. But I can always catch up on it after the fact, an hour or two later. I don't have to watch it live, especially if it doesn't feel as musty as it probably should. Man, that's a lot to say, and I'll probably have way more thoughts on that as we go along here. But this is Wrestle Rant Radio. Let's see how far along we are in here. 
14, 15 minutes, and I'm just now giving the intro. I apologize for that, but that just goes to show how frustrated I was coming off of a super showdown this past afternoon in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I, I made the decision to wait until after the show to record the show. I mean, I was busy this morning anyway before the pay-per-view started. And I didn't even watch it live. I got to skip through all the bullshit because I wanted to wait to watch it live with Alexa. So uh, when when she got here to watch it with me, I skipped through all the commercials, entrances, whatever. We probably got through it in maybe two hours, hour and a half, <laughs> not even, like... Um, when you skip through all the bull crap, then it really saves you a lot of time. I love watching stuff after the fact. I mean, Raw's been a better show now, and I kind of have to watch that live, and I usually have for the better part of the past, I don't know, year or two, whatever, because um, there was a time where I wasn't watching it live, and, and I, I usually do. SmackDown's a different story. NXT I do now. SmackDown now I just don't even really care about to the point where why would I want to watch it live, you know? But anyway, what was I even getting at? Um... Oh yeah, Super Showdown this past afternoon. So I was going to maybe record this show beforehand, but I said, why? I mean, why even bother? Why not just wait until after the pay-per-view is aired and I can uh, review it, get my thoughts on it, in addition to everything else that happened this past week, um, you know, with Raw and Dynamite, NXT, Revolution Predictions, which I'll save for the end, which I thought, again, I thought Dynamite's, uh, Wednesday's Dynamite show was phenomenal. I thought it was a phenomenal episode. I think Revolution on Saturday is going to be a very, very strong show that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, but I'm glad that I waited. I'm glad that I waited to review the show until um, after it had aired, as opposed to doing WrestleRant Radio beforehand, which probably would not have worked as well. Um, it would have been a bit of an outdated show, and I just have a lot more to say now. So I'm looking forward to uh, breaking down Super Showdown, sharing my thoughts on Raw and NXT and Dynamite and uh, Revolution predictions for a little later on in the show. But this is WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, this is a bit of a late night show. Usually I have the show up a lot earlier on Thursdays. Um, so be sure to subscribe to get all the latest episodes as they're uploaded on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, um, Podbean. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. New episodes are also available in full on NextEraWrestling.net. And, um, yeah, you can find me on the socials as well, at WrestleRant, as well as on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham. Um, or, uh, for Facebook, it's Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And then YouTube is the YouTube.com backslash C, backslash GSM.Matthews. Um, but, yeah, we'll get to Super Showdown right out of the gate here. I'll save my thoughts on NXT and Dynamite for the end. Um, I thought NXT on Wednesday was absolutely abysmal, to be honest with you. I thought Dynamite was a much, much better show. And the weird thing is that it wasn't a one-night-only thing either. Like, that's been the case now for, like, the last three weeks. Uh, not only did Dynamite blow NXT out of the water on Wednesday, like, the last three episodes of Dynamite, I would argue, have been the best they've ever done. And it's not like NXT had an equally entertaining show or a slightly less impressive show. The last three weeks of NXT TV were, like, some of the weakest episodes they've produced to date. So I'm not sure what's going on with the black and gold brain, but Dynamite has been freaking killing it. I cannot wait to talk about that show. And Revolution coming up this Saturday night, um, live from Chicago. But first, Super Showdown, since it's still very fresh in my mind from earlier today. Um, on the kickoff show, the OC, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson knocking out the Viking Raiders. This was actually a pretty good match. Not a match I would recommend you go out of your way to watch. 
Um, and they've had a million matches over the past year on Raw, but I thought this was good. It was hard-hitting. They kept the pace consistent. The OC went over. Now going 2-0 against the Viking Raiders in Saudi Arabia for whatever reason. Um, I would assume because... So, uh, honestly, I might as well just mention this now. Because we kicked off the show at the uh, Tawik. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. I've heard a few different pronunciations of the, the, the gauntlet match, the trophy, whatever it is. So, I apologize for anyone I offended with that, but... Um, the gauntlet match. So it was won by The Undertaker, because he was in Saudi Arabia. We knew that going in. Um, it was rumored, WWE tweeted about it on Wednesday, so we figured he would get involved, likely with something involving AJ Styles in some form or fashion. That's exactly what happened. He took the spot of Rey Mysterio and won the entire gauntlet match. So essentially, he won the trophy in the same fashion that Shane McMahon won the WWE World Cup uh, two years ago at Crown Jewel. And, uh, and the fact that he wasn't even supposed to be a part of the match. But anyway, so Taker beats AJ with a single choke slam. Yes, it was stupid. It was, the entire match sucked. The entire gauntlet match was fucking terrible. Um, they had R-Truth pin Bobby Lashley, Andrade, and beat Rowan by DQ. That's such ass-backwards booking. I'm not even advocating that they have R-Truth beat Rowan by pinfall. But, like, why protect Rowan? and have the United States fucking champion get pinned. Don't do drugs, folks. Might be the only real takeaway from this one moment of the match with R-Truth pinning Andrade after a fucking headbutt. I have not seen enough backlash uh, surrounding that finish than there probably should be. Maybe because I wasn't watching live and I didn't check Twitter when this happened, but I thought that was so stupid after I saw it. I know Andrade just got suspended, but at the end of the day, he's still the United States champion. That was so dumb. And I know they were airing a documentary for him after the uh, after the pay-per-view, which I have yet to watch, by the way. But it looks great, and I can't wait to watch it either later, um, tonight, or tomorrow, whatever. So anyway, our truth gets eliminated by AJ Styles. Um, and then AJ was supposed to face Rey Mysterio. He gets attacked backstage by the OC. We then see The Undertaker, who, ban- who uh, ambushes the OC backstage as well, in retaliation for attacking Rey Mysterio. He comes out, does a fucking five-minute entrance... You know, you would think that the lights would have gone out, he just would have showed up. But no, he had to do the whole elaborate entrance. They got to get their money out of Taker somehow for the amount of money that they're paying this guy. Probably just to go out there and, and hit one move and win the entire match. It was so it was so stupid. Um, part of me is glad they didn't give away a full-on match between the two. But the idea that AJ would go down with a single choke slam, like if they had on if they had AJ run through everybody in the gauntlet. Like, that spot that R-Truth had really should have been reserved for AJ Styles. I know it would have been a heel-versus-heel dynamic with him and Lashley and Andrade and Rowan, but at least it would have made more sense for him to go a full-on half-hour, the full half-an-hour, and then, you know, get pinned maybe with one chokeslam, if not two, or tombstone, whatever. That would have made more sense. But nitpicking aside, the match was not the real focus here. It was the fact that they planted the seeds... For the long-rumored, and I say long-rumored, but it's really only been, you know, rumored for the past two weeks or so, uh, AJ Styles versus Undertaker match at WrestleMania 36. So, we're getting that, but there's a very good chance instead of that, as I've seen several other people speculate, as at Jeremy8911 first brought up to me on Twitter on Wednesday um, for hashtag AskGSM, that there's a very good chance that this could turn into a three-on-two handicap match instead with the entire OC taken on Taker and Aleister Black. And quite honestly, I think I might like I might like that idea a lot more, just because for a few different reasons. One, it protects 
Taker. It limits him from doing a full-on match, which at this point, I'm not even really, I'm not even not sure, I know for a fact he's not capable of. When was the last really good singles Undertaker match in WWE? Maybe the Hell in a Cell match with Brock Lesnar five years ago? But that was five years ago. The Shane McMahon match sucked inside Hell in a Cell four years ago. The match with Goldberg in, in, Super, in, in Saudi Arabia for Super Showdown a year ago sucked. The Roman Reigns match sucked. The John Cena match lasted all of two minutes. What other matches has he had in the last five years? Was that it? Um, he was in the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago. That sucked. Uh, 2016, did he wrestle any more matches? I don't think so. That That's probably all the matches the guy has had in the last five years, and none of them were any good. And the only match that he had that was somewhat solid, that was actually enjoyable, was the tag team match with Roman Reigns from Extreme Rules when they beat Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. That was good because he was kept limited. I thought that was a very smart use of Taker. Then again, though, I should specify, <laughs> he did have a tag team match, I think the year before that at Crown Jewel, with him and Kane taking on DX. That sucked, though. But then again, he was in the ring with DX, and he was teaming with Kane. So what do you really expect? The match with Triple H, by the way, that I forgot to mention from Super Showdown two years ago, also sucked. So Taker doesn't exactly have the greatest streak at Super Showdown. That first one was in Australia, in Melbourne, I think. Um, that match was no good either. The guy really should have hung it up years ago. But nonetheless, um, I do think a handicap match would be the way to go. Because if you don't do that, what do you do on Monday night? Do you do Aleister Black losing to AJ, suffering his first singles loss on the main roster before being relegated to the fucking Battle Royal at WrestleMania on the kickoff show? I would hope not. They've spent so long building up Aleister. And again, he's not picking up huge wins over main event talent like AJ Styles, and he very well may be AJ on Monday. I doubt it. Um, what I would like to see is AJ, uh, or rather Alistair, coming in, or, you know, closing into the victory, about to hit the black mass on AJ. The OC strikes right before he's about to win, or maybe he gets that three count, or he's about to get the three count, and the OC interfere. The match gets thrown out. AJ's protected. Aleister Black picks up the DQ win. They beat his ass. The lights go out, and out comes the Undertaker. And he and Aleister clean house, and they stand side by side, and that would be fucking awesome. That would be a very ringing endorsement of Aleister Black. Because if you don't put him with Taker at WrestleMania, I do not see a spot for him on the card. And there's a lot of people like, I know that's going to be the case with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits and people like that, I would assume. Um, I'm not sure what the Raw Tag Team title match would be at WrestleMania. Because the Street Profits lost on this show. So I'm not really sure what you do with them. Um, maybe they get a rematch on Raw and they win. I, I don't know. I think it'd be cool if they won the belts at WrestleMania. And maybe Rollins pulls double duty. Who knows? A lot like, you know, a la Daniel Bryan five years ago. Or um, who else pulled double duty at WrestleMania over the years? There's been a lot of people. Bret Hart um, back at WrestleMania 10, but I digress. Um, yeah, I think Taker and Aleister Black versus the entire OC would be the way to go. That's just me, though. Um, I think Taker and AJ one-on-one -on -one is cool, too. And if, that, if you do that, I mean, AJ has to win. Like, that's not even a question. I think there's a better chance... You know, Taker and Aleister Black overcome the odds. I mean, we're talking with the fucking OC here. And I love AJ Styles, don't get me wrong. But Gallows and Anderson, yeah, they beat the Raiders on the kickoff show. But they're not the most dominant tag team of all time. Like, I've seen them get beat by Drew McIntyre in a matter of minutes a few weeks ago on Raw. 
So we know that Taker and Black could probably beat them in a three-on-two scenario. Um, but if AJ was to lose to Taker one-on-one, that would be a complete fucking waste. I know AJ has not lost a match at Mania since his first one back at uh, 32 in four years. That's a long time. So he could, you know, lose here and that's fine. But it would have to be in a handicap match. He should not be losing to a fucking 50-something-year-old Undertaker with the guy looking... He, he looked terrible on this show. I'm going to come out and say it. He looked bad. He did not look good. But if he's in a handicap match, I could stomach the idea of him wrestling at WrestleMania. I would not mind it. Also on the show, we saw The Miz and John Morrison become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions by beating The New Day in what I thought was the best match on the show. The crowd got into it. They're behind The New Day. They like those guys. I mean, you could tell that this crowd only really knows the more notable stars. They don't know who Angel Garza is, Humberto Carrillo. They don't know. They don't give a fuck. They were very quiet for any match involving those people. Like, they loved Roman Reigns. Did not give two shits about Baron Corbin. Did not give two shits about the women. But they did like the New Day and people like Roman and the bigger stars, blah, blah, blah. But I thought this match was very good. Had the right result. Miz and Morrison dropping a few matches recently on SmackDown. I don't know why. I thought that was weird booking. But at least they won here. That's all that matters. I was not a fan of them winning their first acting titles in over a decade in Saudi Arabia, mind you. Should have saved it for WrestleMania. But hey, it's better than beating them here and then saving the moment for WrestleMania. You gotta strike while the iron is as hot as it could be with Miz and Morrison. I don't know if it's exactly hot with those two. Um, Again, they've dropped a few losses on SmackDown recently to... Brian and Rowan, or not Rowan, Roman Reigns, for absolutely no reason. And then again in that eight-man tag team match a week ago. They weren't pinned, but still. Um, I'm glad they won here. And I'm not sure if many people picked up on this, but I did realize after the fact that with this win, The Miz and John Morrison become the first duo ever to have won the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the World Tag Team Championship, with the lineage that was vacated, not vacated, but deactivated in 2010. So... There was, for a long time, the World Tag Team titles, which dates back to, like, the 70s. The WWE Tag Team titles, which originated in 2002 when SmackDown became a thing. And then that became the Raw Tag Team titles at a certain point. They went from the Unified Tag Titles to the WWE Tag Titles to the Raw Tag Team titles, which is what it is now. And Miz and Morrison held those championships, too. Um, They held the World Tag Team titles as well back in 2008-2009. They held the WWE Tag Team titles when they were called that back in 2007-2008. And now they're the current SmackDown Tag Team Champions. So I don't think any other duo can claim they've won all three. uh, All three sets of WWE's biggest tag team titles. I'm not sure if there's any team so far that's won um, all three of like the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT Tag Titles. I know there are certain people that have done it like Gable with different partners and... Um, Jason Jordan with different partners. I'm not sure if there's any team that's done it yet. Maybe there isn't. I'm just not thinking of them right now. I know that, like, obviously... I don't know what the Revival did. The Revival did it. Um, they became the SmackDown Tag Team Champions a couple months ago. So, yeah, the Revival have done it. Um, but they can't win the WWE, or rather the uh, original World Tag Team title. So they'll probably be as close as that they come to achieving that accolade. But anyway, going back to my original point here, I thought this was a very good match. And as I've said before, I assume this is all leading to a multi-team tag team match at WrestleMania with Miz Morrison, New Day, the Usos, obviously, and then probably Rude and Corbin. I saw on that like WrestleMania rundown, which would make sense if they're going to be doing Ziggler and Otis. 
Um, I see no other spot on the card for Corbin. I have no other spot. I want no other spot for Corbin on that card than a tag team title match, to be completely honest with you. Um, I know he beat Kurt Angle last year. What did he do two years ago at WrestleMania? What did Corbin do? Was he even wrestling at WrestleMania two years ago? Fuck, I don't remember. What did he do at WrestleMania 34? Was he in the Battle Royal? I think he was. He became the general manager a couple years after that. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure he was in the Battle Royal, but I don't know for a fact. Anyway, um, three years ago he faced Ambrose for the IC Championship on the kickoff show. Then he won the Battle Royal the first year, his debut at WrestleMania 32. Um, Anyway, though, so I think Corbin and Rude make sense. You could throw in the Revival, but they're on their way out. Does WWE really give a fuck at this point about the Revival? It's pretty apparent that they don't. Um, I would just have them right off into the sunset. I mean, it would be cool to have them involved, but you know they're not winning. Then again, they've since won three sets of tag team titles in the last year since they announced initially, not announced, but made it clear that they wanted out. And uh, WWE subsequently gave them three tag team title reigns. So <laughs> I'm not so sure that it's set in stone that they may not win the tag team titles of WrestleMania, but I would not count on them being involved in that match. Um, anyway, we saw Angel Garza here in Super Showdown, Naka from Berto Carrillo. I thought this was a really good match, um, as entertaining as their Raw match a few days ago. Garza continuing to win. It doesn't do Carrillo many favors, but let's face it, Angel Garza's a star. Like, going 50-50 is not going to help anyone. It would hurt, honestly, Garza and Carrillo more than it would. I mean, if you're going to go all in with this, you got to benefit one person. You can't benefit both in a case like this. Carrillo needs seasoning, too. But then just don't do the feud. But I'm glad they are because it makes sense. Their cousins, Garza, needs wins. It makes sense for him to be beating people like, you know, Rusev in tag team action, Carrillo in singles action, Cedric Alexander in singles action. This was another good win for him. Uh, I assume he is going to be headed towards the United States Championship heading into WrestleMania. That's my, that that's my, um... Uh, hope anyway. I know they are doing the tag team match this Monday on Raw, Garza and Andrade versus Carrillo and Rey Mysterio. That should be very interesting. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping that's the end game here is a fatal four way at WrestleMania for that United States Championship with Garza going over in the end. We saw for the Raw tag team titles, the Street Profits unsuccessfully challenged Rollins and Murphy for the gold. This was another very good match. I enjoyed this for what it was. I thought the Street Profits showed up here. Uh, for lack of a better term, but, you know, again, the crowd didn't really care about them, because they didn't really know the Street Profits, aside from that group of, like, five frat boys in the front row, from what it looked like, with the giant Street Profits sign, they were wearing the t-shirts, aside from them, the crowd was not very hot for the Street Profits, but I thought this was a good match, and, uh, again, you could build to a rematch on Raw in a couple weeks, maybe that's where the Street Profits win, and if you think, oh, just save it for WrestleMania, lest we forget, it was on Raw, not WrestleMania, that the Usos actually won their first set of tag team titles um, like a month before Mania on that Raw in Chicago, that really, really good show, that really hot show, did the Usos win their first WWE tag team titles. So we could see the same thing happen with the Street Profits. I mean, it would be cool at WrestleMania, but I just do not see them extending this feud into WrestleMania, especially when it's already been rumored that we're going to be getting Rollins and... Um, Owens, one-on-one at that event. So, I mean, I guess they could do a 2-1-2 match, and maybe they give the belts to, like, AOP or something. I don't know. Via the Freebird rule, and they defend it against, like, the Viking Raiders or something. But they just lost to the OC. So how much sense would that really make, you know? Uh, But this was good, though. I liked it. Mansoor beating Dolph Ziggler. Um, Good match. Not nearly as good as Mansoor versus Cesaro. The issue is that if they keep having Mansoor win these shows... 
it just doesn't feel special anymore. That's the thing, and it doesn't help that he's never on WWE TV. That is entirely the fault of NXT. I love the show, but they gotta get Mansoor on there more often. If they were so adamant about featuring him on these Saudi Arabia pay-per-views, why don't they capitalize off the momentum by putting him on fucking NXT TV? That guy should be in the main roster by now at this point, if he's gonna keep beating main roster talent, win the biggest battle royal of all time, beat Cesaro, beat Dolph Ziggler... I know it doesn't really mean much because everyone beats those guys. I realize that. But the guy should at least be on TV. Even if it's fucking 205 Live, dude. He should be doing something right now. He should be in a bit better shape. I mean, the guy's athletic. He is in good shape, but he kind of seems a little lanky to me. I was I noticed that when I was watching with Alexis. She said the same thing. Um, he should probably work on that a little bit. But otherwise, the guy is not like the complete package, but he can go in the ring. He's very good. He can talk. One of the most well-spoken people on that entire NXT roster, to be honest with you. But they gotta do more with him, so they really gotta capitalize. He just be the former world champion, for whatever that's worth. So put the guy on NXT TV, ASAP, please. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet was a complete waste of time. It was 90 seconds of absolutely nothing. You know, when they announced this, honestly, I know, I'm not stupid, no one actually expected Ricochet to win the championship. Obviously. But the least they could have done was give the guy... If only a flurry of offense for a minute. Maybe. That might be stretching it. The match never needed to go more than four or five minutes. I understand that. But they could have made this a hell of a sprint with Ricochet pushing Lesnar to his limit and getting into all of his cool offense, coming on the verge of victory only for Lesnar to kick out at the last possible second. We didn't even see that. It was literally Lesnar squashing some local fucking jobber in trunks for some reason. Um, as opposed to the long pants that he usually wears. And that's all this was, was a complete fucking squash. I'm not even sure if Ricochet got in one offensive move in this entire match. This was a total joke and a complete waste of time. Why even bother? Why even bother? Why not just have Lesnar and Lashley go out there and finally have their match? Do that shit there, because it's not like Lashley means much now anyway, either. So, why not just do that? But I thought this was a complete waste. Why, again, why even fucking bother? Why even bother? I know Ricochet was not in the middle of, like, a, a huge push or anything. He's won recently on Raw. Cool for him, but aside from that, he really hasn't done much on Raw lately uh, prior to this recent push. But, I don't know. I just thought this was silly. Uh, why even bother doing the match at all? Uh, the same can be said for the Steel Cage match. This was really when the show took a turn for the worst. Lesnar and Ricochet was a joke. Uh, Roman and Corbin just sucked. Maybe I missed something as we were skipping through, again, like, the the commercials and some of the interviews and stuff like that. Why did Roman Reigns have the key to the cage in his pocket? What the what the fuck was that about? Was was the idea that if he had the key to ensure was it to ensure that Corbin didn't leave? Then why wouldn't you give it to someone else that's outside of the cage? It, this was so stupid. This was probably their worst match yet, I'm not going to lie. I like the False Count Anywhere match at the Royal Rumble. The dog food shit was stupid. The TLC match was a bore, too. This might have been even worse than that. This sucked. The crowd, for what... I don't know how many... There, there might have been a few brain-dead people in the crowd, but, like, there were a few people chanting, this is awesome. I'm not sure if they were rewatching Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock from WrestleMania 15 or 17 or something. Or Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 12 on their phone on the network. And that's what they were chanting at. Otherwise, this was far from awesome. I'm not sure exactly 
what spurred on that chant, but this sucked. Roman Reigns wins, LOL, let's move on, please. Uh, we had the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bailey and Naomi. This was fine, but the crowd could not have given two shits. Maybe the match would be better elsewhere, but let's face it, Bailey has not been a great SmackDown Women's Champion. She just does not fit in the role at all. And I applaud the effort to try with Bailey as a heel. I really do. I think it's a nice change of pace compared to what she was doing before because her babyface character really was not much better. She was getting booed anyway, so why bother? Now people just sit on their hands. They're not even booing Bailey anymore. They just sit on their hands because the matches are arguably worse than they were when she was a babyface. Um, the Carmella match was good, but the Lacey Evans match was not good. She has not had many memorable matches at all. The Charlotte Flair matches were barely above average in late 2019. Bailey has just been a complete flop as champion. And I think Naomi would be the proper person for her to drop the belt to. The thing with Sasha is that I think it would be a much better match. But they are in Boston tomorrow. Maybe she turns on Bailey there. I don't know. I feel like Sasha's finally a heel. Why would you go back on that by making her a babyface again? Someone's got to go babyface. Maybe it's Bailey, because this heel thing just does not work. But it would make more sense for Sasha to be the babyface, wrestling the heel for that championship. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Um, I would hope it's Naomi. I think she's still very popular. There's a lot more there for her to, you know, there's a lot to a lot more to explore there with Bailey and the, or rather Naomi in the challenger role in that position, that they haven't really gotten to yet because she just became the number one contender like a week ago. Um, I would hate to see her be bumped from the SmackDown Women's Championship match at WrestleMania and then see her get involved in the fucking Battle Royal instead. That would be a joke. So hopefully that's not where they're headed with this. Um, but I just did not think the match was all that good. And the, and the dumb finish with like Bailey wrapping up Naomi's legs in her t-shirt, get the fuck out of here. That was so stupid. I saw people calling it clever and... I guess. I just thought it was stupid. The whole finish looked terrible. Um, and then we got to the main event that I already talked about. Goldberg beating The Fiend. I hate to even say it. It like makes me nauseous even talking about it. My stomach actually hurt for a couple hours after the show. Probably had something to do with the fact I had Subway and, and a buffalo chicken sandwich. That It was good, but it was probably the chicken sandwich that really did my stomach in. But I would like to think that the result of this match had a lot to do with my stomach issues as well. Because this was... Terrible. This was atrocious. So I already kind of, you know, delved deep into the whole Goldberg, WrestleMania, Bray Wyatt thing. What do you do with them at WrestleMania? Um, we're going to know a lot more in 24 hours from what I'm speaking right now after SmackDown. So you're probably listening to this thinking, I already know it's going to happen. It's going to be Cena versus Bray or Goldberg versus Roman. We do have Elimination Chamber next weekend. So we will get a better view of what WrestleMania holds and what that card's going to look like after that pay-per-view in a week and a half from now. Isn't it crazy we have Super Showdown today? We have Revolution 8. I mean, that's a different company, but Revolution on Saturday and then another pay-per-view next weekend. How's, how crazy is that? Three pay-per-views in the span of 10 days. That's fucking unbelievable. Anyway, um, the whole Goldberg Fiend nonsense bullshit, I just... There's no way for me to defend it. I'm not going to lie to you. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, The Fiend is not a great champion, blah, blah, blah. You don't invest that much time into a guy and then take the championship off of him a month before Mania. If it was like Jinder Mahal, who I constantly bring up on this show, I realize that it's it's pretty much a running gag at this point. 
if it's someone like that and it's atrociously bad, then I can see it. If it's a handful of people that are like, oh, he's not tickling my fancies, world champion, get the fuck over it. We're so close to WrestleMania. Why pull the plug now? For a guy that's 50-something. I like Goldberg. I do. And honestly, a Goldberg-Roman match without the championship, I don't mind. I think it's cool. But when you put the championship on the line there, maybe the whole idea is, hey, we turn Goldberg heel. We turn Goldberg heel, which honestly, I don't hate that idea. I, I, you know advocated for that on Twitter earlier that I think for the first time in I think his entire WWE career we could see Goldberg as a heel capitalize off the booze I'm not sure the reaction that he's going to be receiving in Boston tomorrow will be all that positive I don't know if Boston is a big fiend town but I would assume that you know they're not happy either about Goldberg winning that championship from the fiend so I, I, I do assume they will boo him capitalize on it if the idea is to get Goldberg to go heel and then Roman to be cheered. I don't think it's going to work out that way. How many fucking times have they tried that and it doesn't work? It doesn't work. Why does anyone think that's going to work? Fans, the company, why would that fucking work? They already tried that with Brock Lesnar. Remember the whole absentee bullshit champion nonsense from a couple years ago? When they were playing up, oh, Brock's never here. Roman's a full-timer. Rally behind him. It didn't work. It didn't work when he was feuding with King Corbin a week ago. And Corbin's supposed to be the king of the ring and, you know, get dog food on him. And Corbin, people hate him. So it's like, oh, okay, people will cheer Roman. They're not, though. After good matches, like what we saw at the Rumble, yeah, but like... The thing is, there's no reason to be booing Roman. That is partly on the fans. There really is no reason to be booing Roman. But I'm telling you right now, if it hasn't changed yet, it never will. Until they turn the guy heel, which it doesn't look like they ever will then that, that's never going to change. Doing the same thing over and over is literally the definition of insanity. Why the fuck would they think turning Goldberg heel is going to get Roman cheered? Listen, I was there at WrestleMania a year ago. He was a month removed from announcing that he overcame leukemia. He beat leukemia. He was in remission. Month later, WrestleMania, faced Drew McIntyre, got fucking booed. What the fuck? Look, if it's not going to happen then, it's never going to happen, so just give it up. I'm not even saying turn the guy heel, but stop with this fantasy that Roman is always going to be cheered by 100% of the audience. It seems like Vince McMahon is one of those people where it's not him, but it's Roman, where he wants everyone to like Roman Reigns. It's not going to happen. I like Roman. I think 2019 was probably one of his better overall years in terms of crowd reactions because he wasn't shoved down people's throats. I like that a lot, and it's not, exa- it's not Roman's fault. It's the way that he's been booked, and they never really recovered from that. But they tried a couple of years ago, too, with Triple H, who was supposed to be this big, bad heel, up, 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 you know, it's boo him over Roman Reigns. No, they didn't. They still booed Roman when he won the WWE title. They did it again when he, I don't know why they thought him beating Taker at WrestleMania 33 was going to get him cheered. It had the exact opposite effect the very next night on Raw. I, 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 I cannot see a scenario where Roman beats Goldberg at WrestleMania, and the crowd just erupts it with joy. Oh, Roman's champion, finally. He hasn't been champion in a year and a half. It is time for him to get the belt back. It's inevitable. Let's face it, people. It's fucking inevitable. But he will not be 100% shared. It will probably be a better reaction than it would have been, you know, I don't know, a year or two ago. Probably not a year ago, but, you know, two, three years ago. But at the same time, though, it probably would be worse if he beat The Fiend. 
But at least we would all see it coming. And if anyone's booing, like, I'm not booing Roman if he beats The Fiend. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really hate that idea because it just makes sense. Having him beat Goldberg, it's another guy for Roman to beat. He's already beat Brock. He's beat John Cena, The Undertaker, Triple H. Ah, oh, why the fuck not Goldberg, though? I just, I just hate the idea that they have to protect Goldberg and Roman and people like that at all costs at the expense of The Fiend. You know how many finishers The Fiend took from Seth Rollins? Only for him to kick out of everything? And then it was like a half-assed jack... It wasn't even a jackhammer. It was a suplex that did The Fiend in at Super Showdown. That's so stupid, dude. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. That it doesn't even surprise me anymore because we've seen it so often with this company that nothing surprises me. But yet I'm still shocked. I still I still sit here speechless that they actually went through with the idea to take the title off The Fiend. I honestly don't know what to say. I, re- I mean, I already said it a lot. I already said it quite a bit, actually. Man, I just, it, it blows my mind. So what are we supposed to get now? The Fiend versus John Cena at WrestleMania? What is The Fiend supposed to come out and attack Cena for what? Burying him six years ago? Why the fuck would John Cena want to bury... Why would, why would he want to face The Fiend at WrestleMania? Not from like a real-life standpoint either. From a booking standpoint. Why is John Cena even back? If it's not to go for the championship. And God forbid we get a Goldberg-John Cena main event. No thank you. At least in the end, the belt goes right back to Roman. It gets the belt on someone on the current roster. But it shouldn't be between a part-timer and a full-timer anyway. It should have always been Roman and Wyatt. You know? It's not, again, like the match was going to light the world on fire, but at least it makes sense, if nothing else. The Fiend, hey, maybe he walks out of this having beaten John Cena, gets his first WrestleMania win. Wonderful. What the fuck do you do with the guy from there? Does he rekindle? Does does he face Roman Reigns for the championship coming into WrestleMania? You know he's not going to win. I don't know. I feel like this is such a pattern with Wyatt where I hate the I hate the notion where it's like, oh, he was going to lose anyway. That's not the fucking point. The point was that, he, was that he lost to Goldberg of all people. Literally, if it was anyone else, I may not have as big of an issue with this, but it's Goldberg. We've been down this road before. They did this literally three years ago with Kevin Owens. It didn't really work then. It's not working now. Why they thought this time would be any different, I have no idea. It's just so silly to me. But And another thing I saw a lot of was that, oh, you'll see you tomorrow. You'll still be watching tomorrow. Shut the fuck up with that bullshit. Shut the fuck up. You're part of the problem. Those people that say, oh, you know, those people that complain, they'll never stop watching. They just say they will, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know what? You're probably right. Those people may never stop watching. I know I'll never stop watching. I mean, partly, again, I do this for a job, so I, I can't really stop watching unless, you know... Um, I, I don't do it as a job anymore, but I'm saying on, uh, you know, on the whole, there's a lot of people that say, oh, they'll stop watching, cancel my network, blah, 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 and they never do. That's the minority, though. Look at the bigger picture. Shut the fuck up with that non- nonsense bullshit logic that will go, oh, you'll still watch, blah, blah, blah. You know what? If that was the fucking case, the ratings would be through the roof with all the people, with all the people that are talking about the pay-per-view. You would think, oh, it's going to spike ratings. It doesn't, though. That's the problem. Maybe we all will tune in tomorrow to see what happens with Goldberg. Long term, though, this is so damaging. As if said once, I will say it another million more times. They don't have any stars. 
They keep trotting out the legends out there. Taker, Goldberg, Too Cold Scorpio, it doesn't matter. They trot out all the people from yesteryear, and it's nice for a cup of coffee until you realize there's no one worth watching for. Alexis doesn't even want to watch SmackDown tomorrow. And I'm sure she's far from the only one. She doesn't give a fuck about Goldberg. She doesn't give a fuck about The Undertaker. I like those guys. She doesn't give a shit. Because she started watching a year or two ago. She cares about Bray Wyatt. She cares about the current talent. To see them fed to the stars of yesteryear gets no one over. You didn't see this you, you didn't see this shit 20 years ago in the Attitude Era with Bob Backlund. I mean, you kind of did with Bob Backlund and Bret Hart, but he did put over Bret Hart in the end and Diesel two days after dropping the WWE Championship to him. But you didn't see Bruno San Martino returning at WrestleMania 15 to put over or to, to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because it's nonsense. You have current stars. Fucking focus on them and build them up. To build up these other people, like Goldberg, like Taker, like Brock, to an extent, at the expense of everyone else, is damaging. You do not realize how damaging it is to the product, how much damage is done. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe not even six months from now, but five years from now. Go back and look at the raw ratings in 2014-2015. This isn't a new phenomenon. This has been going on for years, where people would be like, oh, if you don't like it, just stop watching. Well, you know what? Half the audience did stop fucking watching, because they're down to like two-something million people. Two million, barely two million people watch Raw every week on USA. They had over four and a half people, four and a half million people watching Raw five years ago. At least three was like the bare minimum. What happened to those literally millions of viewers? They all tuned out. Because why would I give a fuck? My favorites aren't being focused on or pushed. You know how many people I hear from constantly on Twitter and from other people that don't watch anymore because they just don't care? Why would they? They're given no reason to care. And really, this is more of a SmackDown issue right now than Raw. I think Raw, more often than not, since the start of 2020, has been a pretty good show. I'm honestly kind of disappointed they will not be there on Raw or at Raw this Monday in Brooklyn because it looks like a good show. They're having Alistair versus AJ. They're having Angel and Andrade versus Ray Ray and uh, Humberto Carrillo. Beth will be back on the show to give an update on Edge. It looks like a pretty good show. SmackDown has been so... I mean, I say this every week. I don't say it here on WrestleRant Radio, but I do say it every week in my SmackDown audio reviews. And if you're not checking those out, please do so for the weekly ranting on the SmackDown side on my YouTube channel. That's where they go up. The show has been so lame for the past four or five months. It's not even funny. The show sucks. The Otis stuff has been funny. I like Miz and Morrison in the tag team division for the most part. There is almost no mid-card. And the main event scene fucking sucks. I like Bray Wyatt, but it's not like the Brian feud is lighting the world on fire either. The fact they had to bring back Goldberg and John Cena to sell their main matches at WrestleMania is not good at all. That That's a very bad sign for SmackDown. And the argument like, oh, they're still pulling two and a half million viewers. Dude, they're on Fox. That's not good. That's not good at all. You know how many more millions of viewers I think WWE was probably expecting for SmackDown when it moved to Fox? Definitely not marginally better than Raw, I'll tell you that much. They were expecting millions more people, at least 3 million people. I mean, it's Fox. How can they not get higher ratings? Well, it's because SmackDown sucks. And yeah, you can make the argument, you can make. You can always make the argument, oh, the, the product 
wasn't great when so-and-so was champion. I mean, like right now, Raw is a very entertaining show in my opinion. Are the ratings overnight amazing? No. But at least if the ratings are not going to improve, put forth your best effort. Don't phone it in. Don't give us this bullshit because it only makes it worse. If you can't fix the problem, at least try not to make it worse. And that's what they're doing right now with SmackDown. I don't know what's going on with SmackDown. I probably will not watch the show live tomorrow. Goldberg, I saw earlier via a tweet from WWE, will be there. Cena will be there. I will not be there. I will not be watching. I just don't care right now. I think a lot of people, I mean, again, maybe the rating spikes. Cena's there. They've been advertising it. People want to see the fallout from Super Showdown. I actually expect the rating to go up. And I don't want to see SmackDown fail. I'm just expecting it to fail in the next year or two. I was having a conversation with someone last week where they were saying that it would not be out of the realm of possibility for SmackDown to end up on FS1. And I completely agree. I think there's a very real possibility of that happening at some point. And Raw... You could say what you will about Raw, it will still be pulling in 2 million people. While FS1 pulls in 800, 900,000, maybe, on a good week. That's not good. So that was Super Showdown for you. Big pile of shit there at the end. But overall, like I said, I did not think it was that poor of a pay-per-view. The Goldberg-Fiend shit was just so irritating. And the SmackDown Women's Championship match was not good. Roman and Corbin sucked. And Lesnar and Ricochet was a complete waste of time. But I thought the stuff in the middle was actually kind of solid. Mansoor and Ziggler was well-wrestled. The, um, excuse me, the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team title matches were pretty good. Especially the, the SmackDown Tag Team title match. I thought was great. And Garza and Korea was also very good. Taker returned. So it wasn't like a waste of a show. Just that finish was just so mind-boggling bad. I don't know what the adjective would be for mind-bogglingly bad. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's what it was. That was a, a, a completely... Head-scratch-worthy finish there. That leaves me in a very uncertain state going into WrestleMania as far as what we can expect from the blue brand. What we can expect from the blue brand going into their biggest show of the year. Because so far, it does not look good. Uh, before we close it out here, I said I was going to talk about Dynamite NXT. I, I'll just mention them real quickly. Um, I just got to get going. I got to put the episode up before midnight strikes, just so we can get it up before midnight here on the East Coast. Uh, I do want to get to the Revolution predictions. Uh, most importantly, which is why uh, I'm going to go quickly here. But Raw, honestly, really nothing happened. I thought it was a decent show. It was one of the weaker episodes I thought in recent weeks. I thought as a go-home show, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it, but I just didn't think it was as strong as other recent episodes. Um, but it was decent on the whole. Dynamite and NXT. It was a tale of two shows on Wednesday. NXT was not good. It was a good show overall. By NXT standards, It sucked. It sucked. Two steel cage matches in one show next week is completely overkill. I don't care what anyone says. That is fucking ridiculous. Two steel cage matches? That's what I expect from, like, Lockdown and Impact 10 years ago. Not on a random episode of NXT. You could get two main events out of that shit. Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, okay, I get it. That's fine. Why the hell... Are they doing Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream on that same show, also inside of a steel cage? I expect better from NXT. I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know if something got in the water. I don't know if Vince took over for Triple H, um, and he's just pretending to be Triple H behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he kidnapped Hunter, but the show has not been good in the last couple weeks. And the weird thing is that TakeOver Portland was one of the best TakeOvers they've ever done. That's the weird thing. But the actual television show 
has sucked major balls for the last three weeks. They had some good matches on the show, but it really did not, you know, garner much excitement from me. Cameron Grimes and Dominic Dijakovic, good match. Uh, Grimes won via a distraction finish. I thought, that, I thought that was kind of a shitty finish. But they're clearly setting up some sort of three-way or fatal four-way with Dijakovic and Priest and Lee and Grimes or something. Um, it looks like we might be getting Finn Balor and Walter for the NXT UK Championship at that WrestleMania weekend takeover in Tampa. Uh, fuck yeah, sign me up. That sounds amazing. I don't know if they would say... I mean, the weird thing is that they have an NXT UK takeover like three weeks after takeover Tampa. <clears throat> Maybe they save it for that. I don't know. Oh, Balor was announced for the, you know, recently the uh, the upcoming NXT UK TV taping, I think. And now it makes a lot more sense why he was. So, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see what they have planned for Balor. I don't know if they do it there or at the Dublin show. Either way, that has potential. But that was really the only thing from the show I thought was, like, above average. Um, just because uh, Zia Lee and Mia Yim was not even a match. Uh, Zia won after a distraction roll-up. The uh, distraction on the uh, on the stage from Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. That shit that I expect from Raw and SmackDown, not NXT. That was bullshit. Uh, Raquel uh, attacked both women afterward. I thought that was fine. Chop and Austin Theory, I thought was a very good match. The outcome was never really in doubt, but I thought Theory looked good in defeat. Killian Dane and Bronson Reed was a good match. Completely random is the issue. There was no reason for that to happen, but it was an alright match. Grizzled Young Vets knocked off the newly turned babyfaces, the Forgotten Son. Uh, I'm not really buying into them anymore as babyfaces than they were as heels, but the match was alright. And then Charlotte and Bianca. I thought it was a good match. I enjoyed it. I thought Bianca held her own. Um, it was a main event level match, and um, the issue is that it just they were given like 10 to 12 minutes. It could have gone a lot longer. I'm glad it was the main event. It was cool to see Charlotte back at full sale. I thought the effort was there, um, but it could have been so much more. The decisive finish doesn't really bother me, just because I don't. I you know I I think Bianca's probably going to the main roster right after WrestleMania. And that's my assumption anyway. Um, I I really don't want to see another superstar shakeup after Mania. We just had like a fucking draft six months ago, so no thanks. Um, it doesn't. You don't have to have a shakeup to have her go to Raw. Like Garza got technically drafted to Raw, and um. There was no draft a month ago, you know, so they could they could afford to put her on Raw and not have to do a whole shakeup surrounding it to explain why she's there. NXT call-ups aren't really a big deal. When they start having people switch shows, that's a problem, uh, without explanation. Here, um, anyway, the, the real takeaway from this main event was what happened afterward. This was stupid. This was so dumb I had to tweet about it, and my tweet actually got... <laughs> Picked up in like the Twitter moments thing or something. It's on my Twitter page if you want to see it. I, I it, it like blew up a little bit just because I, I noted how dumb it was that Rhea Ripley was doing her full on entrance in the in this entrance way while Charlotte was beating the shit out of Bianca Blair in the ring. Now maybe they had to improvise because they didn't have time and Rhea didn't really get the memo, but she looked like an idiot doing her entrance while Charlotte beat the shit out of Bianca. Why even bother running out in the first place? It felt like it took her an hour to get to the ring. I thought that was so dumb. Um, but other than that, this was a very abysmal show. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This was not a good show. Dynamite, I thought, was great. Um, I thought the final video package for the Cody-MJF match on Saturday was very good. Um, they didn't really have much hype for the women's title match of the pay-per-view that they announced earlier on in the day. Or maybe Monday, I think. It was going to be, or it will be, rather, uh... 
Uh, Nyla Rose versus the, nothing, I mean, I guess she is the number one contender, but I don't think she was number one in the power rankings. They got to do away with that shit. It doesn't matter. No one pays attention to it. It's it's irrelevant. Just do away with the nonsense. Um, So it will be Statlander versus Rose for the uh, women's championship of the pay-per-view. Anyway, so what was the other thing I mentioned? Uh, the women's match, the Cody MGF promo I thought was very good. Um, they had, you know, they hyped that up for Revolution. They did also announce earlier on in the day via uh, Twitter that Lance Archer is officially AEW bound. Um, he is signed, sealed, and delivered for the company. I believe he will be debuting on next week's show, which is pretty cool. Um, I've heard a lot about the signing. Hopefully, this means that he's not the exalted one. There's no reason for him to be the exalted one. Um, but from what I've seen from him in New Japan. He's come a long way from the last time I saw him on SmackDown like 10 years ago. Is Vance Archer, which was a dumbass gimmick. The guy's got size on him. He's very good. And uh, he can go. So I think he'll be a great asset to AEW. They need more big guys. I'm glad they're bringing in Brian Cage hopefully soon. Jeff Cobb. Um, Brody Lee will be perfect there. But they need more people like um, Lance Archer. So I'm glad they're bringing him in. Um, but yeah, Dynamite I thought was a great, great show. Kenny Omega and Pac. Gotta mention this. 30-minute Iron Man match, phenomenal match. One of my favorite AEW matches so far, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Definitely the best match that either one of these guys have had so far in AEW. That is also not an exaggeration. This was awesome. They made the most of the time they had. It was brilliantly laid out. Their first ever DQ, which shocked the hell out of me when I heard that, but it's true. I can't remember ever seeing a DQ on the show. They may have had other, like non-finishes and time limit draws, but never like a full-on DQ. So that that's pretty impressive. A year in, and they're only just now having their first DQ. That That's kudos, AEW, kudos. But this was great. I thought Pac, really, or Pac rather, really put in a great performance. Omega was the Omega of old. This was New Japan Kenny Omega right here. I'm not the first one to say that. I won't be the last. But this was a hell of a performance here from Kenny Omega. I came out of this like, holy shit, this guy is awesome. Where has this Kenny Omega been for the last nine months, you know? Uh, but this was great, though. Glad Kenny Omega picked up the victory. Jurassic Express knocking off Inner Circle, consisting of Sammy Guevara, Santana, Ortiz. Good match. Uh, Darby Allen cost uh, Sammy the victory, and they are facing off on Saturday. Best Friends beat the Butcher and the Blade um, after what we saw from them last week in the, num- in the uh, number one contenders battle royal. And we also found out after this that it's going to be Pac versus Orange Cassidy. At the pay-per-view on Saturday. That's going to be interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. But this was good though. The four-way was probably the weakest part of the show. The Hikuru Shida, Big Swole, y- uh, Yuka Takazawa. Yeah, uh, Takazawa I think is how you pronounce her last name. And uh, Shauna I think is how you pronounce it. Not Sheena. And Sheena is like how you see it in WWE I think. not. I think your name is pronounced Shauna. This was good though with the right winner. I honestly do not care about Big Swole, Takazawa. You know, Shauna's all right. Shida is the best one of the four, hands down. I'm glad she won here. This was all right. The sit-down interview I thought was awesome with uh, Adam Page, Omega, and the Young Bucks. They brought up how the Bucks really brought Adam Page out of irrelevancy, out of obscurity in Ring of Honor as a jobber into the Bullet Club. I thought this was awesome. Teased a lot of tension here between Page and the Young Bucks. Some people think the Bucks might be going to heel on Saturday. I don't know how they're going to do this. I'll talk about my predictions in a second. But I thought this was fantastic. they got to do more stuff like this. They did one a couple weeks ago with, I think, Santana. And it was awesome. It was really fucking good. So hopefully we see more stuff like this with Jim Ross. 
uh, doing the sit-down interviews. Then the final segment, the weigh-in between AEW World Champion Chris Jericho and John Moxley, I thought was great. Um, I thought uh, both guys played their roles very, very well. Uh, Jericho playing the whole like oh the um, you know like Jericho's camp like they all dressed the same um, the inner circle that is I thought was hilarious Moxley was good here they brought in uh, uh, the ring announcer from WCW Michael I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name Michael Capetta I think um, whatever his name is how you pronounce it they brought him in to do the ring announcing for this segment which was cool. Um, yeah, just overall, this was a really, really good segment for a really, really good show. This may have been my favorite Dynamite yet. And I thought it was two weeks ago when they brought in... Was, no, Cobb was on last week, but they brought him in two weeks ago. Um, that may have been my favorite episode, but either way, these have been the three best episodes of Dynamite yet. Like, hands down. They're really fucking killing it. And I really hope that pay-per-view on Saturday is an indication of that the brand is doing well. And then it's not going to die or that these shows didn't make a difference because I think what they've been doing so far is really, really clicked. So speaking of which, before we go off the air, my predictions for Saturday's AEW Revolution pay-per-view, which I have high hopes for. I will not be watching live, unfortunately. I'll be at an Evolve show in New York City, actually. So I will not be able to watch the show live until probably Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, unfortunately. I'm going to stay off all social media and I'm pissed. Because this show looks awesome. I have not been this excited for a pay-per-view in a while. Not counting, like, takeovers and stuff. Um, And this has the potential to be, hands down, their best pay-per-view yet. So, uh, starting from the bottom, we'll work our way up to uh, the main event. Starting at SCU versus The Dark Order. um, Representing SCU, obviously, being Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. This should be a good match. I'm loving the Dark Order stuff. The Dark Order stuff. I've said this before, but... The Dark Order has really grown on me. With the whole Exalted One thing, they've done a great job of teasing that. There's a lot of people who the Exalted One could be. It could be exactly who they've teased it to be, that being Christopher Daniels. I feel like that's way too obvious. Maybe that's their backup plan of the whole Matt Hardy thing falls through, but Matt Hardy would seem to make the most sense to be the one to be revealed as the Exalted One. Not on this show, because his contract does not expire until Monday, reportedly. Um, I think Matt Hardy has even said that, actually. But I would expect him to be on next week's show, the post-pay-per-view episode of Dynamite. That would be a hell of a reveal. To go from being on Raw you know, within, you know, to an AEW pay-per-view within literally weeks would be pretty fucking cool. Um, but I do expect Dark Order to win here. Why bother, you know, why, why ruin their momentum, you know? And I would not reveal the Exalted one here. They very well may, but it's on the pre-show, so why would you do it here? Uh, Pack versus Orange Cassidy. This will be very interesting. Pack obviously coming off the loss to Kenny Omega on Wednesday's Dynamite. No way he loses here, but I'm very excited to see what Orange Cassidy will do in his singles match debut. For the AEW Women's Championship, Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Definitely random. I don't know why they're giving this away now and not like Nyla Rose versus Rio the rematch or Nyla Rose versus sheeta or something like that maybe they could build up sheeta as the ultimate person to beat nyla which would be pretty cool sheeta's great um but this should be interesting nyla rose literally just won the belt way too soon to take the belt off of her um so i have nyla rose going over by the way i've never been the biggest nyla rose fan as a wrestler but she spoke in chris jericho's podcast last week and it was really really good so if you're not sold on nyla you don't care about nyla blah 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 um, definitely check out the podcast. I'm not saying that you need to, you know, she's going to win you over in the ring or anything like that. I'm not a big fan of her in-ring abilities, 
But as a person, she won me over with that podcast. So check that out when you get an opportunity, when you get a chance. Uh, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Darby Allen's got to win. Like he's the hot hand right now. People are reacting huge to him. He's really getting over like as their version of Jeff Hardy from 10, 15 years ago. Um, they got to go all in on him. No pun intended. Because his last name is, you know, Darby Allen. It's Allen, and his name literally spells all in. Anyway, uh, dumb jokes aside, I got Darby Allen going over there. Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. I mean, Hager's got to win. This is his AEW in-ring debut. He's a legitimate undefeated MMA fighter. I mean, I know he, he suffered a DQ win here or there, but overall, I don't think he's been, you know, tapped out yet or lost a match by decision or whatever, which is pretty, uh, when I say a match, I meant fight. That's pretty impressive. So he's got to win here. He should not be losing to a 50-year-old Dustin Rhodes. And now we get to the territory where these matches could go either way. First, for the tag team titles, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus the Young Bucks. This should be fucking awesome. I just get the feeling that they won't change the titles yet. I know that's not a bold opinion. I've heard a lot of people say that, but, you know, I got to concur. I do not see the championships changing hands here. I have the Young Bucks going over. I'm sorry, Adam Page and um, Omega going over and the Young Bucks losing. Um to continue the feud, and maybe they do the title change on TV, but I think either way, we are headed for an Omega Page one-on-one match, maybe with Page as the heel at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in three months. So, uh, I wouldn't take the belts off of them just yet. I mean, they could, and they wouldn't complain. I just don't feel it's that time yet, so I have Omega and Page going over. Maybe via, maybe via nefarious means, like Page cheats to win and Omega doesn't see it. That's how I see this going down. Cody versus MJF. Cody's got to lose here. I don't know why he's still being ranked in the power rankings if he can't challenge for the world championship anymore per the stipulation of his match with Jericho back at full gear. That's a little wonky to me. Um, but there's no reason that he should be winning this. They, they blew up that Sean Spears feud way too quickly back at the all-in show. Not all-in, all-out uh, back in August. This should not be a repeat of that. They can drag this out. They can drag out Cody uh, getting his big win over MJF. He has one of the better win-loss records in the entire company. So we should not be losing here anyway. I have MJF winning. Again, probably via nefarious means. And then the main event, probably the most unpredictable match of the show, John Moxley taking on Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. Man, this is fucking tough because I thought Jericho would retain. After seeing what they did on Wednesday, I had the feeling that Moxley's going to win. At the same time, though, I feel like there's more they can do. Excuse me, with Jericho as the World Champion whether it be with Luchasaurus or doing a rematch with Jungle Boy, a rematch with Omega, Page even. I'm going to say Jericho. You know, for some reason, I feel like Jericho is going to retain. I would, it would be cool if Moxley won. I do think there's a very good chance he wins here. He is favored in the odds and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he loses. He stays in chase mode for a little longer. I don't know if they do a rematch in the next pay-per-view. But uh, I don't know. I feel like there's more to explore there with Jericho as the world champion, and he's been killing it in that role. Moxley would get a big reaction if he won in Chicago. But let's say John Moxley wins. What do you do with him from the get-go? They don't really have many top heels in AEW that aren't, you know, the inner circle, and he's already beaten the entire inner circle. So outside of a rematch with Jericho, what can you really do with Moxley? Well, there's the rematch with Omega, but he's tied up right now with... um. Um, with Adam Page and their tag team. So I don't see that happening. Cody, maybe, but that's a babyface versus babyface. Maybe MJF, maybe um, Pac. That's a possibility. But what would earn Pac a title shot coming off his loss to Kenny Omega on Dynamite? 
I do not know. Jake Hager? Eh, maybe. I don't I don't really feel any excitement over Dean Ambrose versus Jack Swagger, to be honest with you. Um, I think John Moxley versus Jericho is a much bigger program. But yeah, I'm going to say Jericho retains. I feel like for whatever reason, they'll have him go over. Moxley remains in chase mode. And uh, Jericho will probably drop the title, if I had to guess, at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view on the one-year anniversary of his big win over Omega. Maybe there is where he loses it to, uh, maybe not Omega, because like I said, I have Omega facing Adam Page at that pay-per-view. But maybe he defends against, uh, not Luchasaurus, but Darby Allin in a rematch from that episode of Dynamite in Philly back in October. I think that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Uh, so yeah, those are my predictions for AEW Revolution on Saturday night on the BR Live app, Fight TV, pay-per-view, whatever. Looks like a great show on pay-per-view. I'm so bummed I will not be watching live. But again, I will be avoiding all spoilers at all costs. But uh, this this looks like a very strong show on pay-per-view. And honestly, their strongest show to date, even over Double or Nothing, not going to lie to you. Probably because they've actually built storylines for this show. But overall, I'm very excited and I hope they deliver. And that's going to do it, guys, for today's episode of Wrestle Rant Radio for February 27th, or, yeah, February 27th, 2020. I'm going crazy over here. I'm still kind of, uh, you know, fuming over the finish of that pay-per-view earlier at Super Showdown. I completely forgot about that after praising Dynamite AEW. It was nice to forget about that, if only for a couple of minutes. Uh, but we will be back with another stack show next week to review not only AEW Revolution, but also to preview WWE Elimination Chamber. Because, yes, that is coming up next weekend as well. So it's a very busy time to be a wrestling fan right now. A lot to look forward to, for better or for worse. It's very time-consuming. I'll probably be up to fucking 3 a.m. tonight working on stuff. But tis, you know, such is the life of a wrestling journalist, wrestling writer, wrestling fan, whatever. It, 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 it This shit happens. So, uh, you know, I, overall, I'm very happy right now with the state of affairs in wrestling between... AEW, they're fucking killing it. NXT could use some work. Raw has been entertaining, if nothing else, which is a very weird sentence to say in 2020, but it's true. NWA is still putting on good shows. Impact is doing better. I'll actually be at the Impact pay-per-view in New York City in a couple months. Uh, A bit of a breaking news story there. Um, It's the Rebellion pay-per-view, I think it's called. Did I say Rebellion earlier when I talked about Revolution? I think I did. I probably called it Rebellion, but that's the Impact pay-per-view. That's coming up in April. I'm looking forward to that. And I'll be at Dynamite a couple days before that in Boston. So, again, a lot to look forward to. I'll be in California next month. It's a very exciting time right now. Uh, so, uh, we'll be back on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. In the meantime, be sure to find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. I always fuck that up. On YouTube as well, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham GSM Matthews, and be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You can find all new episodes every single Thursday on iTunes, NextAirWrestling.net, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, baby, so subscribe today and never miss a show. With all that being said, guys, it's been a phenomenal month of February, a fantastic February. We'll be back in the month of March, which is equally stacked, and I cannot wait. So until then, guys, have a great rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.